Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? Hey lovely people, welcome to the season finale of the seventh season of the Yellow Peel Podcast. Um, it's been a wild, wild ride, but we're here. We're here and we're alive and grateful and thankful. Um, but yeah, it's been an amazing season. We've tried new things, um, you know, taking new lenses on things. And, you know, the last episode was about bullying, but we took a different approach with a narrative episode. And that was actually fun to put together. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Anyways, uh, for the final time this amazing season uh we sought to talk about the good life you know what is the good life how do you identify what the good life is and um how exactly are we working towards that i guess idea of a good life for us um and really what inspired this was you know if you think back to when you were young and growing up um there was this idea of adulthood where everything would just make sense and you know you live for a good happy life but um i think as we've as we all grow older and you know reach this level of i guess adulthood you you then start to realize that oh wait you're actually living through the times that you thought would be good but maybe it doesn't feel as good or there's just stuff that you still want that is at the end of i guess your journey that you know you're not grasping at yet again sounds it's one of those weird ones where you're like hmm yeah i get what you're saying but you know i'm not sure i want to be thinking about that but you know that's what we always do on this podcast take wicked problems and wicked questions and um try to talk about it for an hour and a half or so but on this episode we had a guest on and my god super (laughs) super amazing super insightful and a lot to learn um this is this was kind of like a learning episode but i'm talking too much i'll let you guys dive into it um wally gives a very good introduction at the start of the episode but hope you guys enjoy it share with a friend um and you know it's been a thank you for joining us this season um it's been amazing um thank you for all the feedback and comments and and everything else and you know we'll still say thank you in this episode again and find another opportunity to say thank you but um really appreciate everyone who tunes in and gives us their listening ear and their time which is valuable to everyone uh but yeah hope you enjoy this episode bye okay um so i don't know if you listen to any of our podcasts we it's often um conversational of course yeah. but not not particularly a interview or anything like that um it's more of a sense making um an adventure mm. you know on breaking down a particular topic that we want to break down mm-hmm. and and today's point i think I, was, I, I as i as i said in the message it was about understanding what is a good life in this world of suffering and I, and I, I think I use the word suffering because um, it's an inevitable aspect of life, in my opinion. And everyone, everyone sees it in different ways, mm-hmm. right? And my example to, to you, Daniel, earlier in the message was like, you know, no matter where you are, as a young person, as we have experienced in the last one year, you know, you're, you're trying to build. We grew up seeing on TV what life should be like, what life milestones should be like, you know, at a certain age progressing towards a house a car a family whatever a job you know some kind of meaning or whatever you know Toby and I spoke about this in other episodes many many times but I think like after this this whole Russia thing particularly and it just and happened back to back with mm, COVID, COVID and then and then you hear news from Nigeria about how you know it's worse than probably has ever been 
mm. in a long time, economically, security-wise, and a lot of things. Even the um, what's it called? Even the shootings that happened in Abuja as well. Mm. It's just like there's just so many things that don't represent what a good life is yeah. for a young person anymore. At least not what we've grown up to believe to think. You know, and many of us are waiting for this adulthood to begin. Mm. Some of us are saying it's a scam. Some some of us are saying, okay, well, I'm still on that journey of making it. But then I think we're already in this like age where I mean, I'm late twenties. Before you know it, early thirties, and we're still like building, 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 building. Mm. building. And I'm thinking. So is this what if what if that's just life? And what if what I have if to this is it? What if what if this is it? <laughs> right. And 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 I have to like redefine my idea of of a good happened, life. Yeah. Life happening. And then social media is there, you know, trying to expose you to people's lives and how people's lives, the perfect ones in quotes, may mm-hmm. look like. People like you as well. So comparisons become a lot more easy. And then there's the idea of like everyone doing jobs now, jobs that are not steady in, in essence. You know, once upon a time we had careers that you'd be there for for ages, but now people, everyone, even like you as, as well, you have a job and trying to do something else as well. It's like there's so much noise. Yeah. So, and all that brings anxiety of social anxiety, financial anxiety, independence, parents. You know, and I mean, I miss all of that. You have to have this ambition to rise and to you know, and to pursue something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the question is like, despite all these frictions and constraints combined with our ambitions and desires to reach the peak, you know, what does a good life actually mean? So I guess I want to start by asking you guys, like, what does a good life mean to you? And I'm asking that because I've said in the podcast, I've been caught saying in the podcast earlier, saying that an ordinary life is a good life. And I think sometimes when I've said that, my friends have come back to say, well, that does not seem, you know, ambitious enough. And I think mm-hmm. I still stand by that, given everything I've just said. Mm-hmm. And, but maybe today's job will try and explain what that ordinary means. But let me start by asking you guys, and I'll start with you, Daniel, what does a good life mean to you, given your perspective currently, um, where you are, age, career, etc. Um, you covered so many things there. I wanted to come in at so many points. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is one of those conversations that is probably going to best do with check marks. Um, so sort of before I go on to answer the question, I think you'd, you'd send me the list. So I assume you have it somewhere in front of you, like some of those, those points, because yeah, the first thing you hit on was life and then suffering inside of life, which is its own thing. Like, that's 45 minutes right there. Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, which because there's a lot of things, and I have a renewed idea of all of that recently because I both of you are familiar with Dr. John Peterson and his work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like the center of his work. So I read I read 12 Rules for Life. I haven't read 12 more rules mm-hmm. because I don't I don't think I'm where I don't think I'm the person it's speaking to yet. Um, even though I like Dr. Peterson and normally I would just consume the work of any author that I really like, but I just, I've looked at it, but it was the first one, which deals with creating order out of chaos, which, you know, sort of, it's, it's similar to the noise that you said in the world. 
And then you went on to go and talk about so many other things about the comparison of social media. And I have a lot of views around that as well, because I feel like as a society, we've gone from a people who kind of, if you think about some of our early ancestors, the amount of sensory information that you get was always limited to your geographical location. You mm-hmm. could never know more than what was happening Maybe however many village. miles away yeah. from you. Yeah. And that was yeah. all your brain ever had to contend with. Now, you know, everything is happening everywhere all the time. Now, there's one argument that spins off. Sorry, I, 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 I can it. go, you yeah, know. Yeah, go there's, go. there's an argument that goes from that one because have our bodies ge- genomically evolved to handle that yeah to keep up with that new load that sensory Mm -hmm. load that we receive because the you know that african proverb that says there's no smoke without fire this um and again there's nuance i think one thing that will be an umbrella to everything i say today and it's a principle i've i've learned as i've gotten older and i try to tell anyone that i talk to especially people who are very very opinionated on rightfully divisive matters that there there's almost nothing that is black and white everything has shades so there's always nuance to everything, even some dark things that sometimes you would expect should be black and white. Many times they're still gray. We may get into a couple, but mm-hmm. one of those things is mental health issues, uh, feelings of anxiety and things like that. And particularly the proliferation and the speed with which it's pervaded our society. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you'll say, has it always been like this? Or are we just talking about it a lot more because it's open? You know, so it's either that it is a thing that has become more pronounced or it's always been there. We're just talking about it. So, again, mm. <laughs> that is and- its own conversation. <laughs> it's own thing, yeah. um, you know, so there, there, there's so many things, um, but sort of bringing it back and remembering the umbrella term of nuance. So I'll, I'll start with the suffering bit, which was kind of like the first thing you talked on. And then we'll, we'll kind of, I suppose, we'll try and keep track with ourselves with that, the, the list, the percent, make sure that we're covering everything. Um, so really what Jordan Peterson kind of put at the center of his book, and he agrees with what you said, it's kind of like the finding of his life. And many philosophers before have discovered this, and to some extent in the Bible, it says, so I don't know how many of your viewers or your listeners will be Christian or Muslim, mm. um, but they'll certainly be familiar with the notion that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Mm. And there's a lot of symbolism in life, and even in the faith works, why did God come down to suffer? But the all-powerful God condemned to suffer. And there's a lot of symbolism and, and, and mirroring. Um, and I think in the phenomena of life, one, one personal principle of mine I'm trying to work on and develop, uh, so things like this will help me develop that, is how some things in everyday life mimic natural phenomena. The most popular example of that is Pareto's principle. The 80-20 yeah. rule, you know, most of the benefit or harm of something is generated from less you know, et cetera, et cetera. You see that in how much people earn. You see that in sports. You see that in, you know, just, it's kind of like a natural principle that mirrors your life. But the whole suffering thing, I suppose, one answer about life, a good life, what is a good life, is it's very important for people not to define a good life as a life that's absent of suffering. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a good, a good place to link those two because a lot of people think that the good life is absence of fear, absence of worry, absence of want, absence of pain. I don't necessarily think that it is. I think a good life is kind of you thriving and striving in the midst of that. And, and the way 
Jordan describes that is that the only way for you to make sense of your life with all the suffering that goes on is for you to find meaning. He goes on to define the meaning. Um, and that is something that you have to give yourself. So you need to define what that meaning is to you. There's a lot of soul searching that comes with that. A lot of things I read um, and studied over the course of the pandemic talked about introspection. You know, um, what's his name? The guy who the guy who was the the person who was in prison in the Nazi camp, that famous doctor psychiatrist, um, famous in the Nazi camp, and sort of came out and mm. he has a quote. I might remember over the course of the podcast. He has a quote where he says that when we're no longer able to influence the outside, we're challenged to influence the inside. Or when we can no longer change our circumstances, we're challenged to change ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And sort of, it's kind of like another way of saying that when you can't go outside, so this was the tagline thing that I saw and the thing that I read, I think it was an article, he said, when you can't go outside, go inside. So kind of like a period of introspection, because for you to understand, well, what is the, why, a very good way of talking about this is kind of like the vanity question when say what and what will enjoy this one because you said ordinary life is a good life well that an argument that helps that is when people say well why should i strive for the big house the family of four the holidays all the time the private jet the money when we're all going to die someday i could die tomorrow i could walk out of my house and get hit by a bus and die and then it's all for nothing you know people tell you you only live once do everything you want now and end up broke 40 years from now and begging for money. And some other people, you know, they don't enjoy anything now. They get rich, but they're miserable. So there's, there's a whole, you know, life doesn't follow yeah. any, yeah, life doesn't follow mm. any script, any playbook where you're like, mm. sacrifice this much now and we're going to ball later. You might die. Yeah. You might not, you might not <laughs> live to later, <laughs> you know? There's so many things like that. But then again, you might live to later, ball too much now, and then, you know, later is miserable. So there's all those yeah. kind of things. So um you know to thine own self be true be introspective find your meaning um another way people have described success i think before was talking about they define it as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal i think that was my mind is failing me by not giving me the answers of these things um, <laughs> yeah i might remember as we're going along i don't know why yeah. i can remember what they say I can't, I can't remember this but Success in this particular person's eye was defined as the progressive realization of the ideal. But again, yeah. it comes back, Earl Nightingale, this one I remember, mm-hmm. he wrote The Strangest Secret, um, which mm-hmm. is where this is from. And um, again, a worthy ideal is defined by you, you know, mm-hmm. is defined by. So again, we're coming back, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're coming back to the individual. And I'm a very big proponent of the individualist. So I tend, going slightly into politics and economics for a brief second i tend to identify as right of center so i i'm a very strong individualist i don't believe in sacrificing the cause of the individual for the cause of the group because if you remove the agency to the individual then the suffering becomes less able to be defined because you're removing that capacity from yourself when what you need to identify to deal with the suffering is more of yourself so again another thing we can come into but at the, at the center of all, what, what is a good life? I'm going to sound extremely corny for saying this after this long <laughs> run, but a good life is whatever you define it as. Mm. Mm. So mm. I'll, I'll drop the mic there for now. You know, <laughs> we, can, we can open it more and see. Yeah. It was just interesting listening to all of that because I think a lot of things I resonated with as well. Um, and for me, 
I think, Wale, we share the same sentiment. I think we've talked about this on the ambition episode and I've questioned, I think I went through a phase and I think I'm at the tail end of it now where I was really just questioning everything. Like, what's the, what's the point of this? Like, I understand that I have abilities and skills and we all have these things and we all have desires and goals, but it's like, what is encapsulating that? What is the point of that? Like, are we achieving this goal for, you know, the fact that, we're meant to achieve goals or is there something else driving that and i think for me where i found a lot of meaning and you know what is a good life and how i define that i would say there's a lot of personal agency there but it's like where am i sourcing that information from and um i'm christian and i think you know let's I think when a lot of people hear people say and lead statements and answers with, you know, their faith and everything, they expect this thing where you've put your mind aside and you've now just bought into something that was sold to you. Um, if you choose, if you choose to believe that, um, I guess that's, you know, your case. But I think for me, it's a thing where I've actually like I've sat down to think about this. I have obviously I'm I'm I'm. I haven't lived life enough to say I've seen everything, but from what I've seen so far and what I've been privileged to experience, I do think there's a lot of truth and direction um, in scripture and in defining how to live life and what a good life is. And at the end of the day, it's almost similar to what you said, that it's not so much about, you know, um, I don't know how to put it here, but like a good life is, again, what you define it as, but as long as it aligns to sort of like this sense of purpose that every individual sort of has. And it's a very weird thing because purpose can feel like this wild goose chase of one end point but a lot of times you feel like most people define purpose as a journey that you're taking to so i'll wrap it up and so i don't go too much of on a rant like you did but i think a good life really is a bit about the journey um of self-discovery as well right mm-hmm. and self-actualization if i'm going to use that buzzword in that sense but i think it's more about the journey um but the problem is that the journey is hard to like pinpoint and everybody likes to look at something on paper and say this is it right mm-hmm. and so that's why everybody has this object of what a good life is but i don't think you can point to anything and say okay once you have a b c and d then it's a good life right? It's really about the journey. Everybody's journey is very different. Um, some will include more suffering than others. Some will include, you know, um, and suffering comes in different forms because everybody thinks suffering as this, like, you know, always negative thing, but you can feel the burden of having too much of something good, right? I think people would like to forget that, but people feel like that's better than having, obviously, like too much of something bad in that sense. But I just cap it up by saying, I think a good life is the journey towards self-actualization and just realizing, um, you know, what you're meant to do, what you're meant to be, and, you know, doing that to the best of your ability in the time span that you've been given is what I'll say a good life is. You know, we've used a couple of words today that I I, I, I thought, I, I figured that would come about, would come up in conversation, a lot of um, mm. buzzwords, a lot of, um, a lot of abstract words about, you know, what entails a good life, what entails life in general. And I think that's, that's often your function, even on Instagram, on Hustle mm. Pond, on Twitter, all these people who just <laughs> preach things like you know best practices for life um but i think in i think what i think my job particularly what i'm trying to do is to because when i was thinking about this I, I kept thinking you know i imagine myself in different situations as somebody who's just finished NYSE in nigeria as somebody who's just um finished undergrad here in the uk as somebody who's just trying to find some some someone recovering from a breakup somebody just trying to get through a certain page phase after leaving their parents house and them trying to define life from that point, you know, in their own, in their own immediate introspective environment. And I think one thing we can all agree on is all of us, three of us today, is that I think is that a good life is a life that is lived from perspective of a person living it. 
never an objectivist perspective because that just does not make sense. So a good life would define as a person who's living it depends on your own subjective interpretation. But the topic is very, very broad and convoluted and it's it's full of all these words and buzzwords, which is why um, I, I try to dig around to find, find elements of of a good life and life and meaning from from philosophers, psychologists to try and break this down, structure it into, into like three main aspects, which I think I shared with you both. I'm not sure if I shared with you too, but I think I did. Um, and w- one of the most earliest forms of defining a good life, I think that came from um, Aristotle um, when, when he was talking about um, ethics in that essence. And he spoke a lot about what a good life entails. And his view was often like a life of pleasure, life of honor, life of wealth. Right, an eminence, and it basically, according to a lot of sociologists and psychologists, said that that basically fell under, you know, two main aspects: so a happy life and a meaningful life, you know. And I think happiness and meaning is something that we've seen from different camps. So happiness, there's a lot of hustle upon on happiness as well on Instagram. <laughs> meaning as well, that was that also has its own basis too, right? Mm. And they're both valid. And mm. as we, as you said, Daniel earlier, everything is a shade of grey. And applying that to this as well, there's no distinction that we should think about life in terms of a happy life or a meaningful life. Mm. I think we should think about it in the balance between those two, right? And why that's also interesting is that I then also found another kind of um, perspective. Classification, yeah. Classification, which is very, very new um, from like last year or two years ago. And they talk about psychologically rich life as one mm-hmm. we should all combine with those three. So what, so what I'm going to do going forward is we're going to, we're going to look at these three as a way to structure mm-hmm. the conversation, um, break them down, and see how challenge ourselves and how these might apply to ourselves in everyday, everyday today stuff. And I can start by saying, when you mention that life is suffering, for example, a good, way, a good way to explain what that might look like in everyday point is when I handed in my 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 thesis like some days ago hmm. i my my some something that has been on my mind for like ages years freaking years after it happened i was like so this is it <laughs> right like okay so uh so what what next and i got home and i just felt like i felt i felt void like what is going hmm. on obviously i was relieved to send that okay i bet the deadline is done next step is the viva you know different defend your shit and then you know you're gonna you know pass on everything but i miss all of that there was this feeling of okay i need to get a job for example okay mm-hmm. i need to fill up my time in between in, in between submission and survivor okay i need to figure out what how life is gonna look like for me in terms of next so for me personally as soon as that milestone hit another one and that one came up my brain instant fairly, i say fairly instantly like mm-hmm. it was a minute of hours <laughs> right and I, don't, I think can i just throw in something very very small sure. just on that yeah. just with that observation from the mm-hmm. archetypes that i know of people i don't think you're going to be happy with an ordinary life i'll tell you why when you hand it over but carry on <laughs> <laughs> uh, ding dong oh <laughs> uh, okay i'll 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 really love to hear that that, that i'll love to hear that and i think when i eventually like settled in with everything i think i found it useful for me to engage myself in something else so so that's why today and yesterday i was doing some 
consulting challenge thing with a company, as I mentioned earlier. And I, w- I was just happy that I was engaged in something. And, I, and then this weekend, I'm going for a wedding. But on Monday, when I get back, I'm thinking of what I'm going to do in the office. Mm-hmm. Right. And then everybody's like, bro, you should rest. You should chill. You should do that. For me, I'm thinking I am resting. I am chilling in my mm-hmm. own way. Mm-hmm. Right. This right now <laughs> is my own chilling. Right. When I travel out to like, let's say for an event or whatever on the weekend, that's part of chilling as well. But it's part of me mm-hmm. that still feels like, you know, my, my brain needs to keep being tasked with something mm-hmm. despite what should be a phase where I should relax in that essence. Yeah. So I can't really say that in that element, I am, after submitting this stuff, I was completely, I was filled with happiness. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was filled with happiness particularly, right? I would say that it felt meaningful to submit that thing, but it still left me with a kind of void emotion. Mm-hmm. So some, something to fill, fill my mind with. So I guess mm-hmm. that's, that example is the first example like I'm giving to, for everyone to understand how something so abstract can be brought down to our real life, moments in our real life. I think in some kind of ways, um, all what I guess Daniel and I said still has an element of that. And while you're giving me examples, I remembered, so let's talk about birthdays, for example. Mine is coming up in a bit. And someone was asking me, am I celebrating? And I'm like, to be fair, Wait, I she, don't... When, when's your birthday? Yeah, it's because coming up. I don't want to say I'm going to say it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, it's coming enough, up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's this month, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's this month, this month, this month. So, okay, um, I'll find it on Facebook. <laughs> it's actually not there. Point, and I'm going to get to that point now. I'll find so, it from last year. <laughs> from uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But p- pretty much, like, I know... Um, so the person's asking me, am I going to celebrate and things like that? And I was like, to be honest, like when it comes to birthdays, I've just had this certain vibe about them recently. And it started from when I was 12. And I vividly remember this because I, I guess some of us have the curse of being as self-aware from a very weird, early, young age in that sense. But I remember my 12th birthday, I really wanted um, a big a party, right? I didn't want it to be in the house. I wanted, you know, to have a Spider-Man cake from this particular baker, all of these things. And eventually I got all of that. And I remember vividly that day, I was in the middle of the playground about a recreation club. That's where we did it. And I just felt empty, right? I was like... Okay, I know I I built up a lot of excitement with this thing. Yeah, bro. Like Damn, I, bro. I, 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 exactly. It was really weird because, you know, I, I think I'd built up some work Zach's man. It was a good birthday, like, but I just felt like, okay, so now all of that happened and now we're here. And so, you know, what's the point? And since then, you know, when everybody was doing 13, like now I'm now a teenager. Nope. My mom was like, oh, you're not doing anything. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And since then, no celebrations. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, um, I think when people put happiness and I think I identified early on that putting and storing your happiness in this idea of reaching somewhere, like reaching something or getting something done. I think I realized at that little age that that was kind of like an empty feeling. So I'd rather, I think I pictured, I don't, I didn't think I'd figured it out then, but what I figured out since then is that every day is a chance to be happy, to do something that makes me happy and to live life. Right. So this idea of, I guess, yes, sacrifice today to get, you know, stuff later on, but sacrifice has its sort of like limits and the way it occurs. Right. So you don't have to spend what 20 hours working now because you're working for some weird kind of future because if you don't start to build the habit of enjoying the time that you have now when you get to that Mm -hmm. future you will not know how to enjoy you know life in that sense you understand and so i think for me i've just carried that and that's why whenever i feel the sense to do something like i i make sure that my life is a balanced life the life that i want in 10 20 years there's a version of it that i can start to live now without sacrificing too much on either side 
Um, and pretty much that's how I balance things. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Um, I want to ask something. It's, it's useful, actually, that both of you have gone first this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's linking to what I said about telling whether he's not going to be happy with an ordinary life. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to present a question to the both of you, and I want to see how <laughs> differently you're going to answer. Hopefully you haven't heard this story before because then it gives the cats out of the bag. But mm-hmm. if so, someone, he wanted to succeed. He wanted to build a company, develop a product, succeed. Um, he'd been to the banks. He's been to the VCs. He's gone to the usual forms of raising revenue. And everyone had told him no on account of background, age, many different factors. So this person went to a loan shark and mortgaged his organs to get the money needed to start his company. Now we're talking loan sharks that will come to collect if you fail to deliver them their money. Like you are going to die if your startup fails. Now the startup succeeded and this is it's a great story to tell now. He very easily could have not and he'd be dead. But the point is, what do you think? Is that a silly idea or is that a great idea? And I'll, I'll just in the order of which you guys spoke. So what answer first? And then mm. so is, is what a silly idea mortgaging your, is your, mortgaging your organs, your organs for, your for, dream. for your dream yeah a good idea or a silly idea <laughs> okay. you can define it on the spectrum because i'd be a hypocrite if i said use yes or no i have to say yeah i mean yeah. Ex- exactly I, I i'm i'm not gonna say it depends because that's such a a no one likes the answer right yeah so i'll say objectively subjectively um Subjectively, right, I guess it's okay. Reason being, when COVID happened, people went to buy tissue and rushed to buy tissue as, 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 as a way to react to the chaos. What's my point in that example, Wally? The point is, human beings will do the things that surprise you the most for what they think, for whatever their fears or dreams, how it drives them, right? And the surprise can be so extreme from what you can think about that to them, it seems very valid. And to you, it's like, this is flipping crazy, right? Now, objectively, by law of odds and numbers, that's hella crazy. And I would never do that. Because if that startup does not happen, there's many more alternatives of life I can live. Right? And also, I don't really work on the idea of... um, there's only there's one. there's only one shot at at things, right? If some if if something I want I want to achieve cannot be achieved with all my might possible, right? I will just keep working at it, or I'll just move on from it. Okay. But going going to the point of my organs to me feels like the most fatal be all or end all yeah. gamble. Last yeah. roll of the dice. Last roll of the literally the last roll of the <laughs> dice. Yeah. And it is equivalent to suicide. Mm. Nearly, nearly, because because it's a sort of fatal gamble. Yeah, and then I think about everybody I have in my life who want me to do well, but they mm-hmm. want me to do well to the point where I gamble on my organs. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah. Subjectively, so quite crazy. I'm glad, glad for the geezer, but me, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. Fair um, Toby. Yeah, I think my answer is a bit more straightforward in the sense that, um. For me, I'm just looking at it. I, I, it's, it sounds irrational on the surface, but only depending on how much information. Um, I'm not saying it depends, but only depending on how much information 
he had about being sure about the end goal, right? Like there's there's something mm-hmm. about like if it was just a off chance, like I I believe I can do this. Um, you know, this is something I'm willing to do and I'm willing to put, stake my life for. I guess you could excuse it because he had that assurance that he was going to do that. But if it was a thing of this is something people have done before and I think I can do it mm. as well. Um, I feel like that's our, so if, if the risk was irrational, um, that's mm-hmm. when I'll, I'll question it and I wouldn't do it. But if it was a rational risk based on information previous to him, right? Um, which is hard to say, like there's nothing like a show banker in that sense, but I guess I'll use the words rational. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll use the word rational and rational risk in that sense because I, I like to liken it to Bible stories, right? Jesus going to the cross, like it's almost, yeah, it's like a big ass sacrifice. Like how is he so sure that, you know, he had done everything he was supposed to do correctly and that going to the cross would mean he will come back, right? Or maybe had he zeroed his mind that, if even if it meant death on a cross and that would be it, I was willing to do this, right? So that's why I said rational, irrational is what I'll use to kind of like define if I'll do it or not. But all right. okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I have quite an interest in psychology, um, mm-hmm. among a number of things. So I like to search for the undertone, I suppose, in in people's answers. I'll I'll answer yours first, Toby, mm-hmm. just because yours is freshest in my mind now. Yeah. Um, but there's an undertone in i don't you know i'm just sort of talking Pitch of salt. yeah yeah no go for it go for it there's an undertone in the answer that's what we do here yeah there's mm-hmm. an undertone in the answer when you mentioned that you know if he had some surety to the fact mm-hmm. of the idea then that influences mm-hmm. on the scale of rationality versus irrationality mm-hmm. so that kind of tells me um you know we have the three big risk groups you know you're either risk seeking you're risk neutral or you're risk averse it's like mm. i don't want give me some and let's see what happens yeah. um you know so that that kind of tells me that you're probably neutral and leaning left mm. and then that will probably wale is neutral and <laughs> leaning right but he's more right than you are um than you are left mm. so to speak mm. Mm. Um, and the reason I asked you guys this question is because he started with the point where he mentioned that he finished something and he immediately felt the need to do something else. It's because mm. it's something that I identify. Um, I'm not saying you, you will never lose this in life. Mm. Most people who have that tendency don't lose it. They tend to do something with it and it becomes part of that and the flame fans. Or, God forbid, you just you know, you encounter maybe too much suffering along your journey and you kind of accept the battery and you kind of give up. God forbid, mm-hmm. I don't think you will. Hopefully you don't. Um, but it tends to go one of two ways with people who have those personalities. And from some of the things I've listened, kind of, I kind of liken it to the wolf climbing the hill. So I, I tend, that's my analogy for it. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's two things that happens when, no, I think there's three things. There's three things that happen when a, a wolf climbs the hill and gets to the top of the hill. He either sits at the top of the hill and makes it his hill, um, and he doesn't move from that hill. He's able to defend it several, several times and dies, or people stop challenging that hill. He makes it his hill. The other one is he gets to the hill and he becomes complacent, and he's beaten by a younger, hungrier wolf. That tends to be more the reality than the middle one. Now, there's another kind of wolf who gets to the top of the hill and decides, well, I've gone to the top of this one. I need to find a higher hill. Now, for the wolves who always seek higher hills, they, they have an inability to be content or complacent. So this is now the ambition we're talking about. 
Um, and uh, again, I draw a lot of things from movies. Um, and one of the movies that I watched that I don't think the author meant to, but she did a remarkable job at explaining this concept. Um, and it was a Divergent series where she mm. talks about different people, um, reality has gone to the point where different people are grouped towards their proclivities. So you have the erudites who are smart and they just, they're just smart, they don't do anything. You have the dauntless who are daring, they're not necessarily smart, they don't contribute that much to society, they're kind of, you know, they're the soldiers, as far as that kind of thing. You have, I've forgotten the other group um, that they only, they're selfless. There's one mm. that's selfless and then there's one that um, I think they give us or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, you know, increasing your erudite, increasing your smartness and then making yourself only do this one thing reduces your ability to do everything else. So if you think about sort of human beings, you know, if you adjust the brightness, if you adjust the contrast, you know, different things move. And then obviously you have the star of the show who's divergent, who embodies a number of these things. And it's kind of like the SKP of society when really that's kind of just kind of, you know, a normal person, so to speak. So she, it was a really, really, you know, nice way of comparing. And the reason I bring that up is because and archetypes is a very, very good way to do this. And the way you discover your archetype is, again, introspection by sitting with yourself and discovering what would you do in this situation? What have you done in similar situations before? If you sit with yourself, what are the thoughts that you end up thinking about? What are your reactions towards certain bits of news, towards things from other people, et cetera, et cetera? And the key to answering a lot of these questions for yourself, right at the heart of it, is investigating yourself. You know, to thine own self be true, Sun Tzu has talked about it as well. When he talks about the one who masters himself, you know, is kind of like, you know, the, the mm, one more, yeah. more favorable to win in battle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so just try to, to, to wrap it up, you're, you have a certain archetype that is mm. high on ambition. And because of that, it's seemingly less on complacency. You've climbed one hill in the submission of your thing and you're immediately looking for another. Now, if you transpose that into life, you've gotten a good job you're immediately looking for the next opportunity in that job where you're looking to move. You've gotten a good family. Um, now, how well can you continue to provide for them? How many classes can you ascend them in the social strata? Um, and when you say ordinary life, it lends itself to someone who's more complacent, more chill. That's not always a bad thing because, again, to talk about um, Toby's example about pulling from Bible stories, one of my favorite stories is one about talents. You know, when the guy... When the owner was leaving, the person he gave 10 talents to, he was chosen specifically. The other person who he gave five was chosen specifically. The other person who he gave one was also chosen specifically. So each person has an ability that is given to them. And then there's another story about Moses in the Bible that God took the spirit from him and he divided it into among 40 people. 40. Mm -hmm. This is the spirit that he gave to one man. He couldn't give it to any one person. He had to divide among 40. So there's kind of different things. And Again, I was probably say this so many times in this conversation. The only way you know is you have to go inside and figure out what your own proclivity is, who it is that you are. Mm. So kind of like that's my answer. You know, we might come on to the question of your own order, but I just thought I'd mention it because as soon as you mentioned that to me, I just saw the wolf. And I, I've, never, <laughs> I've, I've never seen a wolf that is not happy on the hill and say, you know what, I'm just going to chill here for a bit. You, you have inner conflict. Something inside of you will die or have to die for you to be happy living an ordinary life. Mm. You know, um, Toby might be more comfortable than, you know, depending on I think, kind of like the scale of things and yeah, how much yeah. he wants to push himself. 
Yeah. Uh, but that's just something that I notice kind of off the bat with that. And each person has to discover where it is for themselves. Otherwise, you won't be happy because you'll, mm. you'll be living someone else's life. Mm, thinking it's your own. Yeah, I, and I, th- I think, I, think I, I definitely get what you're saying. And I think maybe, maybe my, my explanation of an ordinary life probably is a bit too abstract to because it, it probably doesn't cover some things properly. Mm. And my, my example of moving on from submission, my thesis, for example, pretty much reflects not particularly a need to find the next step, but a need to acknowledge what I've done, but also remain present to know that the future is still going to be a couple of days in front of me. So those couple of days have to be filled up with something still enriching, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you, you win a million bucks, right? You bring the money home, you're happy, but in, instead of take, taking the money and throwing it in the air and playing with it, <laughs> while you're happy with the money, you're thinking about what you can do with the money, mm-hmm. right? And that's almost where I'm coming from because... And I think this leads nicely onto, onto the next point I'm going to make because when I think about my achievements, for example, I, I pretty much learned very, very, very early in my PhD that I have to have a mental bank of everything I've achieved because that is what will keep you, keep you going on the days where someone tells you you're not good enough, right? Mm. And a very good story is my, I started my PhD, I said this before, it's in writing from somebody, from an academic that I wasn't good enough. It was in writing was in writing by somebody and I kept that in my mind going. That was impactful. It was it, it was yeah, my first year was a crazy experience. And and I kept that in my mind going. And it's not in writing, the opposite of that. Mm. If that makes sense. So mm. but when I went to that first experience, I just said man, you know what? Like on this on this way I thought about quitting, I was like, it's not possible that I quit. Like I just gonna I'm gonna keep showing up every single day and see what happens. Right, because mm. there's definitely more to come, but just keep showing up every day. This is where I'll go, and I don't know what's going to happen that day. I, I, I didn't know my brain was empty because confidence was on zero point zero 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 zero. But I say, you know what? I just keep showing up. It's like boxing. Just keep come, go to the next round, next round, next round, and I finally found my way to the end here, right? And mm. now that I'm at the end, there's no mm. way I'm, I'm going to sit down, look at that letter, and, and be like, mm, you know what? I told you, lady. I told you I'll do it. No, there's no point because that was part of, that was part of my journey. Yeah. Right. And I'm, and I'm, and, I'm, and the happiness is still within, but I know that everything you're gathering. Is, so I, so this idea I call your repertoire, everything you're gathering, right. is for the next thing. Now, when it comes to family, family is a different endeavor from work and, and personal achievements in terms of mm. how you look at it, how I look at it anyway. I mean, mm. I, I can't, I don't think I'll marry a woman and have kids and think, oh, what, what, what family what is next? next? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a bit bizarre. Hopefully I'm not that kind of person. I don't think I am. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> some David vibes I mean, in there. There is, yes. there is that tendency. But as you said, hopefully, it's a, but technically, yeah, this one, like some people do one thing and they're like, come on, you don't drive. But yeah. Don't drive. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I've got one in love. Yeah. But in saying that, there are things in my life that, I've, that I still do, I've done for a number of years that I've kept like, let's say like, in terms of like hobbies or like things that you keep doing in that sense. And it's because I see those things as core to who Wale is as a person, right? Mm. But there's things that are core to me and, and there's things that are like things that I do in the world. And, and I think I separate those two things from each other. 
Right. And we've spoken a lot about happiness. And I think this, this is a good part to break down the three aspects. Happiness, happy life, meaningful life, and a psychologically rich life. Now, happiness oftentimes is described as feelings of positive affect, life satisfaction, right? And in, in, in this case, like, we often define it in the case of you have a happy life via a stable economic and interpersonal relationship. So maybe you have a lot of comfort and joy and security financially, but you also have those things socially, right? Mm-hmm. So many, many authors will say and a happy life is one where you have a stable you know, stable relationship with your friends, family, near, near family and, and distant family. You have financial environments that are stable. You have a stable political environment as well, right? And also, a happy life also has certain facilitators, right? So, so things that drive that kind of happy life. And people who have opt- optimism, for example, right, mm. who fall in that category. People who always gratitude. Um, this guy, um, Andrew Huberman, the Stanford, I think Stanford, neuroscientist, new, new I don't know if you guys name, it talks a lot about science of gratitude. That gratitude itself is not just a religious thing. It's actually, mm. it's actually a, a neurochemical practice that yeah. does things to your brain, gratitude, right? So there's things like that. There's things like savoring moments, enjoying the present, you know, things like approaching different ways of thinking. So people have said that a good life could be a happy life. And the happy life could be the things that I've just listed in, in this mm-hmm. essence. So they have key features of comfort, joy, and they have things that facilitate them like money, time, and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And, and outcomes of a happy life is always personal satisfaction. So I guess given this happy life framework, um, how do you guys think this fits into your life? Do you think you think about life in this way? Um, mostly to looking at comfort, joy, and security as key, key things you want your life to have? And you, and you think about life, the outcome of your life should be having satisfaction to you that's personal to yourself. Hmm. <laughs> who, who, who should go? Toby or Daniel, you, you go first. You go first. You can go first, Daniel. <laughs> um, okay. I have, I'll start with another principle of mine, which is a bit more developed than my natural phenomenon thing, which is, and I've borrowed it from physics. I like physics from school. Um, but it's the principle of W's first principles, basically. So you have your mass, you know, have, have length, is it time? And so, you know, you have basic building blocks from which you can't go back anymore. Primary mm-hmm. colors, you know, that give on, you go on to give all the rest. So they're, they're basic things. And then everything else that we have comes from them. Uh, it's difficult for me to talk about those three frameworks in threes because for me happiness and meaning are very very intertwined um and it might be that one is a big building block and then the other one comes from it so it's kind of like a subcategory instead of a category category i'm not i'm not entirely sure which one is which but i have to lean towards meaning being the you know the original and the online one and i kind the reason i'm i'm bringing them is not to cop out or to cheat the answer but it's more to do with the fact that I don't think I can have happiness without meaning in my life. So I feel like a meaningful life will give me happiness because you mentioned a lot about definitions of happiness. Now, does your happiness come from what, you know, what do you define happiness as? Is it simply a neurochemical phenomenon or is it a a physical phenomenon? Because if it's physical, some people can say, well, you know, 
your happiness can do with the things you own, the people you're around. And some people say happiness is just a state. So that's in the realm of, you know, philosophy. And we could sort yeah. of go on. But I don't, I don't want to go on now because I'm not too certain of my views there. I haven't thought about it a great deal. I just know that I think for me, it's the meaning that I think is deeper. It's the meaning that I go for. And then I know that if I find the meaning, I'll find happiness. So for me, happiness is a consequence. It's not a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. A way I like to, an analogy I like to use to paint that is heat and cold. So heat is a substance, cold is not. Um, cold is the absence of heat, whereas heat is something that you can produce. So, well, you can't kind of produce cold. Cold is removing heat. So heat is a substance, then cold is the other thing. So mm-hmm. happiness is a consequence now, so whenever people ask me, do you want to be happy? You, you know, I, I can't, you can't <laughs> define the consequences. You define causes and then you go to that mm. causal state and then you work on the causal state. So for me, it would have to go back to the meaning. So maybe I should allow this to be my answer for happiness. Mm. And then when we go on to meaning, then I'll expand there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to be fair, I've not, I've not given it that more thought and not not because it's not important, but I don't know. I, I the one thing I do agree with is the idea of meaning and happiness. And I don't think I spend my time trying to chase happiness. Um, it feels like something that's always going to be very fleeting because obviously it's the response to something, right? And so I think for me, for the lack of a different way to put it, I would say like, I again, meaning is what I chase. Like everything I do, I do because I feel like it's connected to something um, that I feel passionate for or passionate about, right? And it might not be the same for everyone. I get on my bike and ride 100 kilometers every Saturday. I don't have to do that. Um, but the mornings that I wake up and I don't do that or I feel like... So, so some Fridays I go to bed and I'm like, yeah, I'm all going tomorrow. But, you know, I've done it for so long um, that I wake up on Saturday and, you know, my body just gets on the bike and I feel good, you know, in that moment. And the, the feeling good is not because I'm riding, but I almost feel like it's, it's something I've been depositing, right? And it's this mount that is just there that every time you near it, the, the effect of it just keeps growing as you contribute to it. So I think it's this idea of meaning that the more you do what is meaningful, the more powerful it is to affect and cause this thing that people have called happiness in that sense. Um, and so you kind of like add the spiritual side of it. And what I know this episode is supposed to be, as much as we want this thing to be as grounded as possible, I feel like these things that we're talking about is really hard to like paint it as one thing. And so we're always going to take it a step level and just be very, I guess. <laughs> no, of course. We, um, yeah. um, and we have to be, um, I think I'll expect the, a level of um, abstraction for yeah, sure, to cover exactly. to cover multiple experiences, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. I recognize that sometimes the wavelength at which everyone speaks or understands things is not at the same time and it's not the same way. So, yeah. as a student in class, for example, or as as me lecturing students in class, I always think about mm-hmm. when I was a student. I think, well, if I give the example of of something, the students who understand that concept, but the students who require a a different figure of speech metaphor yeah. to understand it. Right, yeah, so I yeah. so I think about the audience in that same way. Not particularly because anyone's IQ is different from others. No, it's just about mm-hmm. learning learning styles and grasping styles. And mm-hmm. I'm very conscious of the fact that I also want to demonstrate to everybody that and to ourselves that so sometimes like you can say a lot of words that that like are very very meaning they they mean something as a word as a sentence, but then you see back and you think, mm-hmm. what does that actually mean in the real world? 
Mm. You know, and and you mm. hear that a lot on again. I keep going back to hustle porn. You you hear that a lot on on Twitter and stuff. Like people just say one very nice, one very very, very nice sentence. Quotables, quotables, and they look very very. You say it aloud because words. Are, I think words are like to me. They're like spices, like food spices. You can mix words mm. together, and then they just they they will taste nice. But in the end, is mm-hmm. has that got any nutrients? Possibly not. Mm. Right, so I think mm. that that's. I, I, love, I love that. Analysis, I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, so, yeah, so I think yeah. I definitely embrace um, being being on the abstract, but also embrace mm. being on the detail because going up and down shows that you know we yeah. are understanding ourselves better. Okay. In that sense. Cool. All right. L- let me take up that challenge and say, I guess for me today, if I woke up tomorrow, like what what would happiness mean for me? I think it's sort of like you know. Um, knowing that um, I, I've put my time and efforts into things that I consider valuable, right? And things mm. that I've questioned, things that I've really questioned. Like it's not somebody else's value that has been imposed on me, but things that I've questioned and identified and held as valuable to me, right? Because I think what happens a lot of times is that um, people people get people take on other people's projection of value and begin to run with it and a lot yeah. of times people do this thing where they don't question why is why, why do you want what you want like now this is going to be a very touchy example in a kind of way but i would i, I would kind of like put it in there so now everybody feels like you know nigeria is in a very terrible state i don't dispute that fact and everybody most people want to get out of there um but maybe it's worth asking like you know, why do you want to get out? Like, and really questioning that because there's this wave of the time. I think we're calling this the zeitgeist or whatever, but there's a wave that you can get caught up in and mm-hmm. you just like, and then you reach the end point and then, you know, it's why you hear people saying some things that, oh, I don't just come to Canada or something, something, something. And people will take that out. People will take that and be like, oh, let people come if they want to come. But there is some truth in that, that if you just follow the wave of something, just because that's what's happening with the times, um, yeah. And you don't, and you don't find your reason because look, there's nothing you pick in life to do that will be easy. So if you don't have the reason for doing it, <laughs> like the smallest, the smallest thing, maybe for example, for the person that really wanted to go to Canada to do what they wanted to do, maybe there was a point in that journey where maybe they threw them on a the flight or they did something to them and they caught themselves somewhere, and they could have easily have given up if is that we we're just going with the times, and then you just find yourself elsewhere, and then it's the statement of life happened to you, right? But mm. if there's a reason why you wanted to do it in the first place roadblocks and challenges you know build up the capacity to say okay look i really want this so i'm willing to put what it takes to climb on top of this hill right mm-hmm. like so that's kind of like how me i'll put this okay what do you want to say so what you said is very very true and important but also mm-hmm. also very very controversial and 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 i have a i'm, I'm about to think of, of a theoretical not theoretical i'm about to think of a potential guess hypothesis as mm-hmm. to why we have people who think about these things differently. No, I spoke earlier about happy life and I said, happy life, the key features are comfort, joy, and security. Mm. Right. And I think if your worldview of what life should be, right, is based on those kind of features, and a measurable objective feature of comfort, joy, security, right, those places become a lot more attractive because... Right. Because that is what you can see others who are there have. Mm. That is what you can, you can envy from social media as well. That yeah. is what you can see as a possibility on social media as well. That's, that's mm. also what you can aspire to, away from envy, but also aspire to get from social media as well. 
And yeah. when you have that view of life as a happy life, those are the things that almost drive you. But it's rare to think about mm. eloping, right? From a sense of finding purpose and significance, which are features of a meaningful life, right? Mm. So meaning is meaningful life as, as, as an element of purpose, significance and coherence and moral principles doesn't necessarily drive people into finding new countries in that essence. I think it's more on the Survival. comfort, joy, security of happy life, right? Mm. And that is why what you said makes sense because if you are moving, if you're questioning yourself on moving, then you're, you're trying to gain a status on something. Mm. And a status is often an objective metric of comfort, security measure, money, whatever, right? And that's mm. what you, you get to your life satisfaction. And if, if you want to measure happiness, people have said you measure it by positive affect, affect and life satisfaction. Mm. And those are things that you can mark on a scale, you know, mark, mark on a questionnaire. But when it comes to meaning, you can't really mark down a questionnaire. Meaning is a lot more subjective. Mm. Right? Mm. And that is why, so my dad always I say... I would argue it's completely subjective. What? We'll see. I would even argue it's completely subjective. But we'll exactly. Because mm. um, yeah. my dad says this thing. So my dad says that when we talk, he says, because he lived in the UK for a long time and he moved back to Nigeria before he met my mom. Um, and then he says that, actually, that he wonders why he moved back sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? He, this is how it always goes. Whenever this comes up, it goes in the same <laughs> way. He says, he wonders, how, he wonders how, why he moved back sometimes because he didn't expect Nigeria to be this bad. Right? Mm. But then he always ends up by saying something like this at the end, every time. He says, but you know what? If, if I think about things now, right? Where... Where my lounge is, because my dad is, um, has is a, a, a hospitality business. Where my lounge is and my hotel is, everybody on my streets comes to me for their problems. If anybody, if, if anybody, if anybody has an issue, they come to me. If they see me, they, they talk to me as if I'm their family. They respect me. There's a sense of community I have in that environment. And mm-hmm. it goes, I will never get this in any other country. So actually, mm-hmm. I think I'm fine here. Mm-hmm. he always goes down to that and whenever I says that I've always understood he starts from the happy, happy life spectrum of the security comfort thing Nigeria is missing but he always mm-hmm. comes down and ends by saying you know what actually this place gives me some meaning in, in, in my old mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. right as somebody who's mm-hmm. come from engineering to just relaxing towards um, hospitality and, and hotel mm-hmm. life have been this, been this community of people even though some of them may not have gone to school as I did, gives me some meaning in, in, in this place. And, and I enjoy coming here every day. Mm. And I, I think that's, that, that for me tells, I mean, gives him some sense of meaning or explains mm. some reason why he's in, in, in that space. So, yeah. which is why I was, I was challenging what you said um, um, earlier. I guess, I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. With that in mind, let's dive deeper into the meaningful life aspect that Daniel spoke about before we move on to the final, final bit of psychological rich life. Because I think mm. the life we all want will have a balance in between. But as Daniel said earlier, I think one will form our basis and the others mm. would come out, come out of, of that mm. one bit. Mm. But before we do that, let's yeah. take a break again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before, before, right. Just before we go on the break, yeah. I, don't, it just, I don't say something just so I place market in case I forget before we come in. 
But I wanted to, I, I think the, the bit that you were saying before, Toby, I really enjoyed. You talk a lot of passion there, so it seems to me like there's a lot of, <laughs> like that's something that you relate to because you're very heated yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to talk about the whole Japa thing. And if you kind of just, mm. if you think, if you remember these keywords, I mean, I think it's, it's group think, uh, and then I think it's Orwell. There's another one I can't remember, but hopefully mm. we get into it um, when we come back. And then we'll, right. we'll, we'll go into the meaning one and, and your dad's thing also. I have some things to say there. All right, All right. see you in a bit. Awesome. Catch you guys. Yeah. All right, groupthink. Let's hit it. Right. Yeah. Um, I just thought it's a useful thing to mention. I don't know. So some people listening might enjoy um, hearing about it. I suppose it's something that I want to say. I'll see how concise I can be with it. Um, mm. also, also, the other thing I want to say, I think, on what this point before we finish was, I'm not so certain we... It depends on time, ultimately, but I'm not so sure we'll end on that, the psychological... You said final, 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 unless, of course, you want us to. But mm. then, it's just because I remember from your the thing you sent to me on Instagram... Because there was something else about perceived anxieties um, mm. that we inherit due to the, you know, the sensory input, which I think was something that we put on the side as well. So it would be nice if we have time left to we'll talk about that one. But um, back to Toby's point that you talked about, you have to know for yourself why it is you're going. Um, mm. I just wanted to mention this because I think it's useful for us to understand. Because if you, on, you have to first understand your weaknesses, I always think, before you can you know, either turn them into strengths or shore up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the one that relates particularly to the point that you just talked about, about people not knowing why they're leaving or leaving, is two things. So it's the group think, um, or as some people call it, herd mentality. I, I call it group think, which I think is inspired from Orwell's 1984 novel. It's my favorite fiction novel like ever. It's, it's a fantastic book. Brilliant. You know what's funny? Sorry to cut you off, but you know that that mm-hmm. book is still like in the top 20 best-selling books in America right now really and up to now it doesn't and, surprise me and yeah. and that came about people say it came about because of covid mm. Mm, interesting so so it re-emerged as a top selling book someone's fact fact me on this but i'm sure i, I heard mm. correctly mm. when i heard this mm. you yeah. surprise me it has elements you know it has elements because obviously in america people are thinking that the state is controlled and you know they're very polarized q and whatnot big brother is watching as Orwell said mm. um but I think, oh, well, I think he called it group speak. Obviously, someone fact-checked me too as well. So I, was thinking, mm. I don't know if he called it group think and I'm just literally copying him. Or mm. he called it group speak and I've called it group think. I'm not sure. But in any case, um, group speak, where it came from was they changed the language and they removed mm. the, um, the capacity of the individual to refer to themselves. And then they changed it to sort of a we type thing. It's only mm. the group. It's all, and, and the group obviously is defined by Big Brother and all that kind of stuff. Reducing personal agency and then increasing that sort of socialistic mm. type thing. And I kind of just transcribe it onto groupthink in the sense that as a herd, because human beings are social animals and stuff, so it takes work for you to separate yourself from the pack and have a view. It's more easy for you to go with whatever is considered um, mm. the general and accepted view and kind of just lead into that. Then work. you have also the fact that there's the popularity thing and people want to be popular, and that's accept, you know, exacerbated by. Um, social media and metrics like likes and retweets and, you know, mm-hmm. us ascribing value to the amount of followers you have, the amount of likes you get. And I'm guilty of the same thing. I think it's just mm-hmm. a human wiring. It's not a critique on any one person. 
And so we've kind of moved our placement of value onto these metrics. And that has led us to place even more emphasis and thus make us more susceptible to groupthink and herd mentality. So I think it's one of those things that as an individual, it's very, very important for you to check, to mm -hmm. notice when you are starting to give in to your groupthink. Am I engaging with this topic and promoting this topic because everyone is talking about it, because some influencer is talking about it? Have I searched within myself to be sure that I actually believe this thing? What are my own personal views? Do mm -hmm. I really believe I should move abroad? Do I, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, what it talked about it being a happiness thing and it's not all, you know, some people are literally just trying to survive. You know, you don't really need a lot of meaning behind trying to survive because <laughs> kind of like the base, the yeah. base function of any organism is to it's survive and then comes procreation. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, self-sufficiency, self-preservation is like mm. at the very, very bottom of everything. There's no one day. So mm. kind of like that's everything, you know. Um, so that's kind of like a group thing. I just I just thought it was useful to pick on that one from the point you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and then... Sorry, I, I tend to... What is that? Yeah, no, no. So what I is think, that? Yeah. yeah Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. yeah what is yeah. that? And I just wanted to mention on that one that, again, because meaning is a base thing and things come out of that, it's useful to consider that for a point because I was listening to that and I, I've thought about this as well before. Um, you know, when you hear about race stories and racism in the different mm -hmm. forms it manifests itself, um, it, it's the fact that in this country we're second-class citizens. And I always tell myself that at this point in my life, I'm too Nigerian. My children or my great-grandchildren, if I remain here, might be British. But I know that I can never be. You know, I'm a Niger boy. My, I'm just all of that, you know. Mm. So for me, I've always felt like it, it boils down to a simple thing, like how confident do you feel walking into any pub in the United Kingdom as compared to how confident a white male would feel walking into any pub in the United Kingdom? Whereas if you go to Nigeria, like everybody here is black, like it's a white person that's the minority. You know, this, this, this consensus that when people say minority, we think of black is not true. It's only sort of in, you know, it's not. Mm. So I think your dad might have found, you know, when he answers his own question and he talks about, it, I think it's coming from a place of finding meaning in two things. One is an identity. Uh, and two, I think is in belonging. So you look at the group and you say, I belong. And, you know, I know who myself and myself belongs. I can go anywhere and I'm around people that are like me. I can go into any place. I can speak as I want to. I'm not fearing being treated as someone who, is, who does not belong or who is not of, you know, kind of like I am. And there's a lot of power and comfort that comes from that. So I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, benefit from that when they move home and then, inadvertently they're met with the clash of well in a you know in the abroad Physical, there's yeah. ease yeah. the trains work the system yeah. works etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time you go somewhere you get a certain look and even if you've never encountered racism have that subtle tone of just saying i'm not safe here in that sense you know it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's as it's not a bit of me kind of like mm. in british side you know mm. uh, it's kind of like that thing you know i i also know something about myself we have this and I hope my children go away from it, but I think it's a bit too late for me. It's too hard right into me. But have you noticed how we tend to apply our, our accents, maybe if you go for a job interview? And, and if you think 100%. about it, Chi Chinese people don't always do that. They, they speak with their Chinese accent. You know, mm. But we, you know, maybe because English is already our, our lingua franca, lingua franca so yeah. our, our next step forward is to change the accent. Whereas Chinese, it's not the lingua franca. So the next step forward is to speak english 
there's all mm. sorts of things here and you know behavioral scientists and psychologists can dive deep and tell you more about it but mm. even little things like that you tend to notice when you are true and you sort of check yourself you're like why am i changing the tone of my voice to be trying to be understood even to mm. something as simple as you know wigs very straight hair africans are not necessarily straight you know mm. so kind of making ourselves look pliable to the to the to the white man and and etc cetera, etc cetera. so little little things like that when you yeah. when you sit down and you ask yourself well why do we really do these things and again it's a very controversial issue because i think to some degree or maybe even to a whole degree it's rooted in kind of what's that thing when you inferiority complex that do mm. that's derived from you know slavery and from the fact that we are presented in a certain way in media um and kind of like the way and and you know our societies don't work as well as these other societies which mm. is why there's always an exodus from the so-called third world countries into the mm. so-called first world first countries etc etc mm. et and kind of like mm. it you know there's all sorts of things there but that's kind of like a whole load of things that double <laughs> up for people to make sense of what they run and to yeah. get themselves to think you know, and then we come to the actual question in the segment, which is what we're talking about, which is kind of like the meaning thing um, and delving into that a bit more. Um, and I'll, I'll make this section short and maybe chip in maybe when, when the both of you are talking. Um, so I've not mm-hmm. hogged up a lot of this, but for me, it's, it's as simple as defining, you know, that worthy ideal. We've talked about success being, you know, progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And you define that worthy ideal for you. So a, a very simple example using myself, again, so that we're not wholly abstract. For me, I know that my North Stars, as I describe them, are two things. It's my ambition and it's my bonds. I'm very ambitious. I, I, I'm very, very certain I do not want to live a normal existence. Um, I'm so, almost certain to the point that I feel like if I got to a certain point in my life, that story about mortgaging your kidneys would not begin to feel like a wholly impossible concept. And that's just me being very, very honest with myself. Uh, so I just know that's the kind of person I am. Um, you know, so it's, it's ambition, which is the need, the want to realize all of myself. Um, and and uh, uh, there's, there's I, I'm, hang on, I, re- I want to read this because it's a, it's a quote of mine that I really, really love. Um, and it's just pertinent to this idea of, you know, sort of the mission and sort of being true to yourself mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully I find it before I run out of stuff to say. So there's not a comfortable <laughs> talk uh, in the middle. In the middle of this uh, That's so kind of, yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm almost then it's, it's kind of like this whole thing, you know, Eric Thomas. Yeah. Anybody know Eric Thomas? E.T. the hip hop. Eric Thomas, the, uh, yeah. The uh, okay. motivational speaker. Motivational oh, okay. speaker. Mm-hmm. And he talks about dying on E. So I've, I've succeeded. I've found it without running out of uh, <laughs> It's from this writer called Hunter S. Thompson. And he says, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but mm-hmm. rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. What a ride. That's the vision for my life. By the time I die, I want to be old and gray. I don't want to have anything left in me. And as E.T. says, I kind of want to die. And so I want to use everything that all the talents God has given me, sort of quoting that Bible scripture that we talked about. Mm. Um, you know, so sort of ambition then is bonds. So I don't know how I'm going to marry these two at the extremities, but bonds <laughs> relates to family, some people would call it. But I just use bonds because you have some friends that are closer than family. Mm. And, you know, the relationships that I have with the people. Whenever I meet people that are very, very close to me, I, I tend to adopt them. 
your, your, I adopt you into my extended family. Um, and I feel very deeply, I'm a romantic, I wear my heart on my sleeve, all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel very strong and I feel very deeply. So those two things are kind of my nostalgia. And I feel like the higher you progress or the farther rather you progress towards the achievement and the realization of whatever your North Star is, I think Thanks in that is kind of where you begin to find, you know, the meaning. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think given what I've seen about meaning itself um, and the elements at which people have defined it, um, it often has these like three different categories. So I think some of it you've already kind of listed from even what Eric Thomas said is, first of all, you have to have this idea that your life matters. Like mm. you have to have the subjective sense that, you know, your life in this grand scheme of things, of 7 billion people or whatever amount we have in the world, your own life matters, right? And for, in a world, in, in a world that is very, very ty- tyrannic, tyrannical, is that a word, mm. tyrannical? Yeah. Could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in a tyranny-led world, in a, an environment that is broken, it's hard for you to think that life matters in that big environment, right? Mm. And, but, but then when you then do, it gives you a very strong sense of heroism as we often see in these movies. Um, the other bit is coherence, where you have the idea that, you know, Everything fits your together. life role yeah. and experiences has to fit together as a whole. And finally, purpose, which mm-hmm. you've talked about a lot of times, is that idea that your life has a direction and contributes something bigger than yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all of these things constitutes what a meaningful life would look like. And they're all mm. subjective, regardless. It's, it's not something that one can, can really, really measure. So going on a journey in this kind of meaningful life, as, as, as Daniel said, like, I think it makes sense when you say, well, if I want to have this ambition mixed with these bonds, these are things, these, these are things that, mean, that contribute to my meaningful life. And in that, happiness might, should, can emerge from mm. that. And I think... Why I also um, mentioned my dad's story in this idea of meaningful life is that I think his own point was always to come back to the fact that he feels he's contributing beyond the idea of identity as a black man, all of that. I think what I take from what he says is that he has a sense of contribution to the society, community around him, mm-hmm. right? That's making it better, that, yeah. he, that he can see the impact he's making in that community, either on somebody's life or on the infrastructure there. And I think that is what contributes to the meaning he comes to the end to say and to, yeah. and to express to me. And, and, and I think it's interesting because having this kind of um, idea about life, what makes a good life, is a meaningful life, is, requires maybe the most introspection mm-hmm. out of all three. And maybe that's why it's the most difficult to easily pinpoint. Because a happy yeah. life based on comfort, joy, security, money, relationships, you can, those are like measurable objective metrics that we can always pinpoint. But the meaningful life significance is very, very strongly about how you evaluate your own inner thought, inner conceptions while baffling the outside world. Mm. And it's, an, it's, an, it's always going to be an, an emergent process because, again, let me bring things down back, mm. right? So... People say, oh, I always get asked many times, why did you do a PhD? I think some people expect me to always give like this answer of, it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. But, <laughs> but I, I always say, I always tell them that, look, I kind of fell into it. 
And for me, the title, the expectations, whatever, it's not what I think about as the PhD. I think about the PhD as every journey, every day newness, every day um, interaction, every day battle that has happened in the last four years as the PhD. Mm. And I'm making the best of those experiences for the next wave or for the next PhD or for the mm. next life thing, you know. And in, 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 that kind of, in, in that kind of idea, I'm trying to like fit, I'm, I'm, battling, I'm relying on the coherence part of meaning where I'm trying to see how do all these life, life experiences, roles fit together to create, mm. a, you know, this wally that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm hoping to emerge, you know, or, or has already emerged and is tackling life, right? But I don't have a grandiose idea of where my life should have been prior to PhD and should be after PhD. I definitely have some ambition. I definitely have some wave of, like, my life matter in the big scale. But I'm also not somebody who, I think, I, I believe in roles a lot. And, 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 I, and I always say, like whenever I talk about my research to anybody, they always say, oh, so, so are you going to be the next and um, whatever, whatever. And I say, no, probably not. I'm not going to be the next um, entrepreneurial person, but I might be the person who supports that person. I might be the person who is the, um, who is the number two to that person, number one. And I think that's perfectly fine for me mm. as a role. doesn't mean ambition is missing, but it means that I know that life has roles and mm-hmm. your role does not always have to be the Batman in the in in in, in the in the bloody yeah. Gotham City. Sometimes yeah. being Robin yeah. is equally important because Batman yeah. does a bigger thing for the for Gotham, and Robin helps him achieve that. Yeah. And and you, you may not even be Robin; you may be the, the you may be Alfred, but mm-hmm. you are still making something. And this way, my idea of ordinary mm-hmm. life comes in. Mm-hmm. So my ordinary life, in right. a sense, means that I like how you think it. Linked there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my other life, in a sense, means that the the idea of being the billionaire or the millionaire or the the fame, whatever the top, 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 is good. But the other roles are filled by people who also play equally important roles. Can, the, can I the, can I ask something? <laughs> sorry, sorry okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, go on. No, 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 no. Actually, Daniel, go first. Sure? Go. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really short. I wanted to ask if you've heard about um, this story of the the. The sword of Damocles. Have any of you heard of it? Or funny enough, I the heard sword. of it, the sword of Damocles. It's a really, really interesting thing on this point you've talked about, and I think it came from the Greek times. And I think Damocles is uh, a sort of king, um, mm. and it's it's not a real story, but it's kind of like uh, one of those analogy or one of those mm. not mantra but stories, parables. Mm. Um, and he's a king, powerful man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, money, fame, women, whatever you know, opulence mm. type thing. Mm. But he governs on a seat and there is a sword hanging over his head that is held by the thread of a hair, a mm. very, very thin thread. And at any moment, that thread can cut and this sword is going to fall and kill him. That is the, conse- that is the price you pay for sitting in that chair. Mm. Now, the story mm. is trying to... Is, is, uh, there's another guy, yeah, who wants to be Damocles. In your story, he wants to be Batman. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be the dude. Mm. Now he goes to Damocles and then Damocles says, are you really sure you want what I want? And then, then I think the way the story goes is that Damocles tells him about his reality and about mm. this sword. Mm-hmm. And he asked mm. him, he said, do you now knowing what you know, do you still want my seat? 
And then the guy mm-hmm. says, I think I'm okay. I think I'm all right. Okay. I think I'm yeah. Good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, it, what he's talking about is kind of like those Batman or Superman, those mm-hmm. roles are very, very precarious. They come mm-hmm. with a lot of shit. You know, baggage. they come with a lot of baggage. Yeah. And yeah. You, can be, you can be taken out by putting yourself in the out spotlight. There. You're essentially making yourself a target for the world. And people will take shots. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, people will absolutely. take shots. Patients will take shots, et cetera, et cetera. So you it's know, a very key point you said because... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I, so, so I was going to say, like, it's quite interesting because, you know, Jesus knew who, like, what he was and what he was going to do from the time he was young. Mm-hmm. But we didn't hear anything from but the time he was 12 to when he was, like, 30 something. Part of me thinks there's a reason for that because, obviously, imagine if he was in the spot like that long, you know, doing all of those things, would yeah. he reached, you know, where he reached and all of those things. But this idea of, of, you know, being, you know, the person that supports something or playing your big part, I think, you know, Dana, you said something at the start about how, there are things in life that you can look at that really mimic the life that we live, like physical things you can look at. And I think the human body is, like the Bible even says this, like, you know, the parts that, you know, you treat with the least respect and all of these things sometimes carries a lot of weight. And until you don't see it there is when you realize that, oh, damn, this thing is important, right? And sometimes the perfect things that, you know, do what they're supposed to do and are out of sight, out of mind, are sometimes the most important things. Like you don't think about your heart beating, you don't think about breathing in and out and things like yeah. that until you're not able to. And for me, I think I've always carried that in the sense that, yes, like in some areas, and we're lucky in the sense that in, in some areas, we're something to someone, we're something more to someone. And in other areas, we're just another like pee in the pod in that sense. I think it's like yeah. just realizing at the end of the day that we're all going to play different parts. And, you know, the true, the, the thing is just identifying the part you're supposed to play. I think that's the journey everybody should be on, identifying that yeah. part. And, and it's sometimes not easy, right? Because if you're trying, like as crude as my sound, as whatever my sound, if you're trying to be a hand when you're a leg, right? Yes, you get some things done. Like people, you know, walk on their hands sometimes, like handstands, but only for the time being. But at some point, it's not the most efficient way to live life or do stuff right so the the point i'm making here is that you might pick someone else's goal someone else's identity and decide not to discover your own self and honestly Mm. for the most part you'll probably be fine um Mm. yeah like nobody's saying it's going to end for you there right go on daniel let me let you jump in no no i finished i'm just saying i want to say something after you yeah, yeah okay so basically i'm just saying right like identify like finding that self and regardless of what that self ends up being right it might be yes you're going to be the richest person like almost the thing about entrepreneurship right people talk about me and say oh you're yeah, a founder oh my god it's so wild like bro i wasn't thinking about being a founder when i became a founder <laughs> like i was just thinking there's some things i need to do and this right here feels like the space to do it the mm. world has called it entrepreneurship and the world has called it being a CEO. In my own head, it's like, this is what I feel like I should be doing and I'm doing it. The world and its labels, that's fine. It's why I just also ask like, who the men say that I am? Some people say, yeah, yeah. Messiah. Some people say, yeah, this. But like, you know, he knew who he you was and what he came to do. Exactly. You understand? Mm. So uh, I'll just drop it there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add a very, very timely and pertinent quote. I, I like quotes. Some people, you know, don't <laughs> like them. Not, not just because what we said about quotables. Yeah. Um, but this this one is by Einstein. And surprisingly, because, you know, Einstein was very smart, deep thinker. People would have thought that he would philosophize a lot, but he was very, very practical and sort of down to with a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys would have heard this one before. And he talked about everyone is smart in their own way. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you know, then it's going to spend its entire life feeling like it's stupid. So a mm-hmm. fish needs yeah. to know it's a fish mm-hmm. and that it's going to excel in water. It has no business mm-hmm. climbing a tree. A monkey mm-hmm. can climb a tree. Mm-hmm. It has no business swimming to the depths of mm-hmm. the ocean. 
whales, mm. bears, mm. lions, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So that analogy you gave about a hand being a leg and a leg being a hand is perfectly apt. So, mm. and again, mm. it comes back to the whole thing. It's about individualism. You know, I always mm. kind of say it's thine own self be true, although I think I borrowed that from Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind yeah. of, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. You need to mm. identify yourself. Like, who are you? Who am I? Kind of the same thing you said again about Jesus. You know, you can ask social media who mm. you are. You can ask the world who you are. You can ask your parents. You can ask your friends. You can ask your girlfriend, your wife. But at the end mm. of the day, you, who do you say you mm. are? It's, it's a very important question. Yeah, mm, It is. Um, Word. <laughs> it is. Word. Yeah. Word. And I think, I think like, giving that, that quote from Einstein, I love you as well. I, I, I recently saw it, um, like, two weeks ago, or, or I recently saw it again. And it was very timely saying it because I think it helped me um, empathize more with some other people that was that was that were around me mm. in, in my relationship with people and stuff. Um, so far, so good. We're talking about happy life, meaningful life, mm. and these represent ideals for different people. Some of us on this call as well, some people listening. Um, but I'm glad I found this final one because I think this is the one that I feel I resonate with the most, or I want to resonate with the most. I wish to do so. And this is the idea of a psychologically rich life. Mm. And people have argued that it's also an important aspect of a good life because it accounts for the full range of, an hum- of a human experience. And the idea is just that it's, it's a life that is psychologically rich means that your life is, has a lot of perspective and interesting changing experiences. Sorry, interesting and perspective changing experiences. Mm. You know, so as opposed to just being happy and meaningful. You go through the full range of human motivation where you, you get exposed to new things that shift your mindset, change your mindset, expand your thinking, stimulate, stimulate your interpretations and just open up your eyes to different things that you're used to. Hmm. And let me, let me, since we're reading quotes, let me um, look at a... a <laughs> <laughs> um, let me read something according to um, Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher. And it says something along the lines of um, a married person with a secure, good job and children may have a happy and in many respects meaningful life, but not necessarily in a life that is rich in diverse perspective changing experiences. Mm. Although most people choose such a conventional, secure, social, and decent, respected life, you know, it's also good to have a life that has this diverse, change, diverse perspective changing experiences. So what he's saying there is just that, yes, happiness meaning is very, very good, but we can also overlook the importance of shifting one's core, not core, but shifting one. So like, you know, you go to life with this orbit around your head of who you are, where you have your personal repertoire, who you are, combined with what the environment is telling you every day. And then this equation is happening in your head every day as you're walking through life, either at work, relationship with your girlfriend, friends at school, whatever. But in, in, in that circling orbit around your head, you are forming schemas that stay, you know, maybe conclusions. So in the same classic way where a, a woman pull on a car, men are trash. Her experience <laughs> of life gives her that conclusion that men are trash. And to her, to her experience, she's right. Mm. But you might be a baby, you've had a wonderful boy all your life. You see that stick and you're like, that's a bit extreme lady, isn't it? Mm. And then, but you are both right. Both experiences are valid, but it doesn't make either wrong. Mm. Right. But going through life with experiences that change those schemas, right, is what we refer to as, what they refer to as a psychologically rich life. 
And mm. this kind of life pretty much has some key features. So one is having a life of variety, mm-hmm. right? Such so that you are not um, variety in, in different things, whether social relationships, hobbies, experiences, <laughs> from formative things. You're not just stuck on one cycle of things. The other is also interest. Your interests change over time, mm-hmm. right? And finally, your perspective changes. And this kind of life is fueled by somebody who is curious. So if you're curious, this kind of helps you a lot. Mm. Um, you have to spend a lot of time and energy to obviously push for such psychologically rich life. And also, it gives you a lot of, as an outcome, it gives you a lot of wisdom. So while happiness might give you personal satisfaction, meaning it might give you a feeling of contributing to society, a life that's psychologically rich would, would give you some internal wisdom. Mm. So given this final part of what makes a good life? What do you guys think about this aspect? Do you relate more to it? Do you relate less to it? How does this fit into your existing ideas of a good life? Uh, so I'll just go quickly because this is very quick and simple for me, but completely agree with this. Um, and I honestly feel like it actually ranks a bit higher than everything else a, a lot of times. Um, and when you think about it, like anybody who's done anything worthy of notes, however you choose to regard it, was always challenging some form of status quo which honestly lends itself to this idea of seeking new perspectives about things, right? You know, Jesus came to really just turn the tables over on his head on what was normal. You say, all right, um, you know, slap me and I'll slap my own back. He's saying, tell the other cheek. Like, that's like completely profound and completely different, right? And so I think, um, and obviously we, when we hear things like that and see things like that, it does have this air of wisdom around it, like you've said. So all that to say, I completely agree. Um, and I do think that, I'm lucky enough or blessed enough to be curious. And so, like you said, curiosity really inspires those kinds of things. But how does this manifest in your life, though? (laughs) Are you asking me, bro? Like, look at the podcast and the things we talk about and how many... I mean, mean, it might be obvious to me, but... Yeah, but also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't say that to be dismissive. More like, just say like, that. that's kind of like evidence of it. The kind of topics we talk about, the kinds of things that we push ourselves to talk about and just our perspective of life and my perspective on life, basically, right? You say it a lot of times that I spend my time reading or just like consuming a lot of interesting content and it's this idea of just pushing myself away from what might be a center a lot of times um and just learning new experiences sometimes life will happen to you and you choose the lessons you learn from it as well i think having that perspective of you know okay what can i learn from this and sometimes it's not easy like bad things happen like let's just be honest and it's a bad thing let's not let's not discredit the fact that it's a bad thing but it's like okay yes it's a bad thing what next like as long as you're still alive there's always a what next you understand now the what next could also be bad but it's like okay the bad that has happened how have you processed it um right and i think a lot of people social media has given us this ability to um defer processing things like because you can just always be looking at things and never processing right and so a lot of times what i choose to do like there's so many things i'm not a part of like as much as i consume a lot there's also a lot that i don't consume like i do not jump on any twitter space i don't jump in on any threads there's so many things that i'm like you know what i pick my battles i pick the things that i choose to be aware of and i choose to have like an emotional attachment to and this right here is not it so pretty much (laughs) um, (laughs) pretty much that's how that's how i'll wrap that up there and how about you okay um, I'm happy actually that I've, I've gone last because this was the one that I knew the least about. I hadn't heard the idea of a psychologically rich life before, as well as before you sent it and then before you talked about it. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned Kierkegaard because obviously I think he's famous for like existentialism and stuff like that. And anyone who's into existentialism for me 
is kind of like a perfect example of maybe too much psychological richness in their life because you get to the point where you start to question why you're here and the purpose mm -hmm. of, you know, and, and there's kind of like, and, and because there is a debate, particularly on the psychological richness about ignorance is bliss. I don't subscribe to this school of thought whatsoever, mm -hmm. but it's useful for academic conversation, et cetera, et cetera. And for some people, this is what they'll choose in their life. They choose to shun too much psychological richness for ease, simplicity, and that makes them happy. You know, they, mm -hmm. they don't want to be concerned with mm -hmm. kind of like the various the different perspectives. Yeah you know, all the shades of gray for good, for ill, et cetera, et cetera. So right off the bat, you know, that's something that's, that could be discussed. But I, I guess in, in my own life, I, I agree with you, you know, um, meaning will still sort of take the cake for me, but that kind of variety of experiences um, definitely helps. E, I think what's currently forming in my head as I'm talking now is that it's very, very particular to discovering who you are. If you don't, if you don't have an ability to look inwardly and kind of maybe know it helps you, even if it's purely just on the basis of a process of elimination. You know, I'm going to ride a bike today, I'm going to skate, and then I'm going to go on the motorbike. I'm going to crash the motorbike, fall on the skate with balance on the bike. I know that I hate those two, but I really mm. love biking. So that's kind of like one way. It gives like a process of elimination for several things. Um, I don't want to say who said this because I don't want to make them feel guilty on the podcast that might be listening to, listened by a lot of people. <laughs> but even on the aspect of, you know, we're all in, I don't know if all of you are taken who is sort of, you know, mm. act, you know, sort of, um, On the verge. Kind of thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, there's kind of like, actually, no, actually, no, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself in the Yeah. But any kind of like, there's that nah. variety there. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? Say it. <laughs> there's kind yeah. of like, you know, you, you mentioned about variety and kind of, um, you know, the, the ability for you to live life, you know, and, and there's, you know, for this, there, for those of us with Judeo-Christian values, there's this about the one and then not doing that for some people. It's bohemian. It's hedonic. They're like, you know, sort of, I only live once. I'm going to see what, you know, do my thing, you know, live mm -hmm. my life, be out, be out there, be seen, you know. Mm -hmm. And for some people it works because at some point the love they find is richer because they've mm -hmm. gone through a process of elimination. For some people that, you know, is not necessarily something that's open to them. For some people it's not something they want, mm -hmm. you know, so many nuances and stuff like that. Um, but I suppose the base of everything really would be that, yeah, that psychological richness is going to be a good thing because variety, as they say, is the spice of life. How much variety you choose to have, um, <laughs> you know, is, is a question. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you end up doing too much and you, you know, you sacrifice peace. A lot of those philosophers actually died crazy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Nietzsche is the biggest example of those. I think he died in a mental hospital because he just mm -hmm. overanalyzed and, you yeah. know, you know, got in too many perspectives and, you know, became overanalytical. Some people try too many things and become, is, I don't know, vagrants is probably too heavy a word, but they never quite settle on any one thing. They're mm. always doing one thing or the other. They're mm. always on this trend, mm. on that thing, mm. with this mm. girl. They never settle down. So mm. there's a danger, like everything. I suppose, um, I think Toby Trust is part of the podcast. Everything in moderation is the basic advice of life. Um, you know, so I think it will definitely help in terms of process of elimination for figuring out who you are. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, try and try and keep some, dare I say, perspective on things as you, you know, do this, yeah. because it's, it's, it's very tempting for you to give into that variety. And sometimes you can never quite put the genie back in the bottle and you mm -hmm. forget why you rubbed the lamp to begin with. Um, you know, and, and some people never rub the lamp for fear of the genie because 
you know, they found something they're like, you know what, I don't want to explore too much outside of this because this is kind of safe. It's comfortable. Mm -hmm. So again, we're into the shades of gray. This, I mean, I think for me, luckily you've already said it started from Kikagad. You can see it's a very philosophical area mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm finding it very philosophical probably because of purely due to the range of things I'm considering. <laughs> so people can be very straightforward. I don't know, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure how to end so I'm just going to mm. end. Just go down. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, I know. I've I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Um, I think I think what you both said have made sense. Um, I definitely agree with the idea that this perspective on psychological rich life gives you variety enough to discover who you are by eliminating. I think it's the same idea of um false. Adam Grant made a phrase about discounting as a way to learn, as opposed to trying to figure out the right answer. Mm -hmm. Um false something 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 and to be your point again about you know how you live life with trying trying out trying out different things new hobbies mm. it's like not box yourself into something as well i think my guess is that there's some elements rather there's some areas and places and times in the world where you might live that this psychological rich life I mean may, you can get away with it so, for example, if you are somebody who you have a decent job, civil service job, somewhere in Texas, United States of America, or New York, whatever, you're just going to work every day, coming back, eating Cheetos and pizza, and you're, you're chill with your family. Life is stable. So nothing particularly may warrant you to gain from such experiences, and nothing particularly may jump out as a benefit of happening, of having a variety of experiences, perspective change of different things. But I think personally, for me, I think for somebody who is coming from a place of struggle, a place of battle, a place of intense competition, a place where, you know, nothing is guaranteed, a place where the basics, comfort, joy, security, are not always at your at your your fingertips i think mm -hmm. deriving some some pleasure in life can come from this view because i'm not saying go and find five five women to variety over <laughs> over the next five years that's not my point but my point is in my own experience i think what what, what, often, what often helped me in in my earlier years was that i would always try things that were always unconventional not particularly because I, I was I was I was different from anybody, but I just thought there's something here that I can try that will just keep my mind engaged. And and maybe it's learning um Duolingo in the dark at home in Nigeria when when there's no light. Maybe it's trying to learn how to um sew when I was um twelve years old. Maybe it was just doing just doing different things. And I feel like Sometimes it's, it's, not, it's, it's not an escape particularly, but it's a way to create memberships in different communities or different, different areas of expertise that, that, that can detract you from the, from the lack of comfort, Trope, yeah. lack of security, lack of money that is in your environment. And I think yeah. having this kind of balance is very, very important, particularly for people like us who come from backgrounds that are not always as rosy as people in first world countries, in quotes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> because... All we can rely on mostly is to have a life where our brains are enriched, our minds are enriched in the most possible sense. 
And in this way, we can then also maybe even help our environment in the social or physical or political sense. But even before, before even going that far, I think just for your own self, just for your individual self, if things around you are not so, you know, rosy or whatever, I think what helps is always having this variety of thinking because groupthink, as you mentioned, groupthink leads to something eventually, right? Whether it's to be angry, whether it's to be, and sometimes rightfully so. Let's, let, let me put this disclaimer out there. There is often every reason, like, who said it? I don't know if it was JP as well. He said, like, everybody who's angry probably has a reason to be angry. Mm. I, I can't remember what they said, but I can't remember where I heard it. But the point is that anybody who's upset about something probably has a reason to be. Like, there's definitely, the degree might differ, but it's definitely a reason to be angry. But what you then do with that, after the fact, what happens? Mm. Right? And I, and I think, I like this particular one because it gives, it gives, it gives an alternative when the other two may seem elusive. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it almost gives you an alternative in a point whereby you don't necessarily need any form of resources to achieve a life of variety. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm saying this, I'm saying this thank, thankfully, thankfully to my parents because when I was young as well, my parents made me do a lot of things that were just random. So I mentioned sewing. I mentioned the times where I went to, to, to mechanics, mechanic village, like sit there for like three days, just look at what they're doing. Like just mm-hmm. ra- random things like that I was forced to do. and it gave me so much like, so I've just been open to several, several things. Mm. That's the same way I found myself, myself into boxing. When I started boxing, I never watched the damn sport, but I went to the boxing gym when I saw an advert on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, let's try this let's out. Try. You know, let's try it. And I, I love that thing right now. So yeah. along this journey of life, I've, I, can't, I can't particularly say I am wealthy in comfort. I'm wealthy in security. I'm wealthy in money. I'm wealthy in relationships. But I'm chasing mm. some significance in meaning, but I value very much a life of variety and interest because that for me contributes to the wallet of the ongoing wallet. So maybe that's also why mm. when I have these milestones done, I'm, I'm open to the point where I'm looking for perspective changes in the next possible format. But of course, they are limited to certain domains of my life. Mm. Family may not be where that will apply. But like, yeah, I, was about, I was about to say that you're dead, you watch out. <laughs> family may not be where that will apply, yeah. right? I mean, like, like JP said, we're playing different games. Family, social relationships, career, all of it. Yeah. So the games where it applies will differ, right? Some mm-hmm. games require stability. Other games benefit from variety. And I think yeah. it's left for us to figure out which ones are yeah. there for the taking. No, everything on that point, it's like a lot of things, if we honestly look at them, we can already tell which ones require balance and which ones require stability and which ones require a bit more flexibility. I think it's when people get intellectually disingenuous that they start to impose some kind of twist on, oh, but why, why do we try it? If you say variety, like, why do we be, be, be various with this particular thing, if that makes any sense? Um, but yeah, um, I, I know there was one more, I know we said eight minutes, but um, it felt like Daniel wanted to really like, touch on this as well. But it was this idea- The of anxiety? Like, the anxiety, yeah. So, um, uh, it, yeah. Just actually, now that you've said it, in terms of time, maybe because we also have to consider the, I suppose, to some extent, the listener, because we, we're, we're having a good time talking about this. <laughs> Then, yeah, yeah uh, it could be you know helpful. somebody after two hours is quite it's a psychological so mm, maybe yeah. we can do that another On time and that might be you know a shorter one you know so we keep yeah. it sort of nice bite size for for listeners absolutely 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 yeah. um on board of that on board of that all right well let take us home i mean daniel um honestly 
I've been wanting to make this happen and it finally happened. And I think Toby can understand why. Because <laughs> yep. this was such yep, a yep, very, yep. very good conversation. Um, mm. And I think in, in a weird way, I can see similarities in our thinking, the all three of us. Um, similarities mm. that po- possibly I, I'd never envisioned prior to the conversation. Um, so, mm. and I think what's been very rich for me, I think some of the quotes you mentioned, some of the points you raised earlier, I've taken notes about them in my mind and in my paper right here. Um, so I really, really, really appreciate your time on this. Um, any last words yeah. for the listener um, about yourself, um, your current endeavors, <laughs> anything people should know about you? Because this is our um, final episode of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm giving like the vibes <laughs> of like, leeway to like, <laughs> so. okay. Uh, I don't know if I don't always feel very comfortable talking about myself. I almost I can, feel like I, I, I can tell that, uh, <laughs> that, that ability. Well, you know, I, I haven't earned it basically. It's some weird thing in my head. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say too much. I suppose if anyone is, has listened all the way to this point, found, you know, the conversation interesting, the ideas that we've shared, and they want to, you know, find out anything about me, I would say probably reach out to Wale. If, uh, I'll add a small barrier there to make it slightly more worth it because if, you're, <laughs> if you can go if you can go to the point of asking uh, someone you must have really enjoyed it so yeah, if you want to find nice. more if you do that then yeah. i'm all i'm always happy to talk but yeah, yeah. my name is Borade or daniel as you know whoever you know me from night or, or, or love for uni uh but yeah it's been a, i've really enjoyed it as well i picked a lot of things um mm. in that final point that toby mentioned about um, sort of Jesus doing his thing. I've sort of forgotten his right absence. I'm messing up my final point. Um, <laughs> but kind of like the, there was something you mentioned, the last point you said, um, you know, but that was kind of like a really, really interesting way for me to think about it. And I haven't thought about it before. Is it the um, point about, ab- about him, about his popularity waiting till he was in his 30s? I, I thought it was that, but I, I think it was later than that. It was the, it was the, I think it was the final thing he said. Maybe we'll, I'll listen back to this conversation. Yeah, and then, and pick and it then yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. I've picked a lot of a lot of different ways um, of thinking about stuff. So it's been a very very mm. interesting conversation. I mean, I always enjoy it because I like exchanging ideas with peers, and you know, mm. I've also found that conversations. I need to. I I write, and I need to start writing a lot more about some of the complex ideas that are in my head because that's the best way for you to formulate them, so I can make them more concise and straight to the point. Mm. Um, but you know, sort of one step short of writing is having conversations like this. They help you to articulate things a little bit better than when you're just thinking about them. Um, you know, yeah. so I always appreciate the opportunity and the platform to have these. So, um, you know, looking forward to hearing more, talking more. Um, and you know, shout out to everyone who's trying to find that meaning in their life, their purpose, mm. fulfillment, and hopefully God takes us all to, to that mm. point. So I think that'll be my sign out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. And again, thank you to you, Daniel, for today, for your time. And I think a bigger thank you goes out to everybody um, who stuck with us since episode one of season seven. Um, again, on that long ride, as we often describe it, 10 episodes in a flash of 10 weeks, just like that. Bam, bam, bam. And we are done. Um, again, thank you for sticking by us. Thank you for the comments, the feedback across the season. It's been a mix nice salad of topics we've had this season mm-hmm. and next season we're trying to bring introduce some new things as always we never stay on one feet um, as you can probably tell from what we've spoken about this conversation we like to keep it moving and keep new ideas up on the podcast as well um, so thanks everybody listening really appreciate it and of course we're going to also leave some 
feedback forms as well as we do at the end of every season for everyone's comments and feedback requests you might have for us to do for the next season and but yeah all lots of love from me lots of love from toby and mm-hmm. in the break during the break we hope that everyone stays safe has a lot of testimonies and a lot of um milestones achieved in, the, in this time till then That's everyone it. peace out and take care daniel it's been a pleasure have a good evening have a good weekend take it easy thank you see you guys later thank you yeah. so much cheerio safe Bye. Hey there, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Yellow Pill Podcast. If you liked our show, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and review. And also be sure to share with your friends, siblings, colleagues, and anyone you think might enjoy the episode. Another way to support us is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. We release new episodes every Monday, but don't forget to follow us at the Yellow Pill Pod on Instagram stay in touch with us during the week that's at the yellow peel pod on instagram once again thank you for taking the yellow peel with us today i'm your co-host wally and right next to me is toby and we wish you the very best in the coming week till next time peace and love people peace and love